The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Monday, the 11th of September. I'm Mike Zimmerman, and today we're asking... Who will replace Hansi Flick as Germany coach? I don't think Klopp's really an option, just because I I think he's never really indicated that now is the right time for him. Why did it take so long for Ruby Alice to resign? Last week, he lost to Kiali and Gilder, who was sacked from his post. And is there reason to worry about England's underwhelming performance against Ukraine? We didn't learn a huge amount new from this game in terms of what England lack. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Mike Zimmerman. Germany have sacked manager Hansi Flick after a shocking 4-1 defeat to Japan on Saturday. The hosts of Euro 2024 have now lost four of their last five games, and the German FA moved quickly to swing the axe. Rudi Vela, manager of Germany from 2000 to 2004, will now take over as interim manager for Germany's friendly against France tomorrow. Seb Stafford Bloor writes about German football for The Athletic and is here to discuss the state of the four-time World Cup champions. Seb, let's start with the last domino to fall. How poor were Germany against Japan? It's actually really difficult to express. It was very end of cycle. They reached a point where nothing really worked. Japan didn't really have to do anything extraordinary without the ball to, um, to prevent the Germans from creating chances. Typically, they just waited for moves to dissolve at the base of their penalty box and then counted really efficiently afterwards. It was a moment I think a lot of football fans can recognise as the point at which everybody kind of gives up on what the collective aim had been up until that point. And it's quite unusual to hear a German crowd quite so hostile towards their own side. It's not a very it's not a very German thing to, to whistle teams and to um, to leave a team's side. But yeah, it was um, yeah, it was very, very ugly. And actually, even though it did finish 4-1, Mark andre Testegen played extremely well before sort of the decisive third Japanese goal went in and it could have been much, much worse. And uh, yeah, it looked it looked like the end. How long have these issues been building? I would say probably just over a year. So Hansi Fleck actually had a very good start after taking control of the national team, inheriting the position from Yogi Love. Then in the sort of spring of 2022, he had this run, he and they had this run of draws where there's some real concerns about the side's inability to create chances, the inability to keep goals out, then moved into the World Cup at the end of the year where there were all kinds of other issues which developed and obviously some of those were social. Big disconnect occurred between the German public and their football team. But also I think a lot of people from outside, even within the country, looked at the group of players and recognised that there were flaws and there were gaps in that squad but also realised that actually this was nowhere near adding up to the sum of its parts. And it seemed also like over time, as Hansi Flick tried to experiment, he tried a few little adjustments, it always seemed like every German international featured a an experiment of some sort. It was always searching for something, but nobody ever seemed to learn anything from the defeats or the bad results or the World Cup experience. And that led us to this point of critical mass where, as we said earlier, at full time against Japan, the end was inevitable. Now, we expect plenty of big names to be thrown around in rumors to replace Flick, such as Jurgen Klopp and Julian Nagelsmann. But who do you see as the front runners for the job? I'm sure the DFB will have a conversation with Nagelsmann. I, I don't think Klopp's really an option, just because I, I think he's never really indicated that 
now is the right time for him. Other names mentioned, Oliver Glasner is a, a name, Oliver Glasner is Austrian, but he's a name that has been brought up in the German media. He was obviously most successful at Wolfsburg, had a good run at Eintracht Frankfurt until the end of last season, won the Europa League. I don't know if there's an answer. I, I think one of the critical points here is that Germany needs a bit of a reset, not unlike the one it went through at the beginning of the millennium. I think what's necessary now is central identity. I think you need to find somebody who has a philosophy, who has a sort of a belief about how he wants to play. Maybe Nagelsmann's the answer. A bit of charisma wouldn't hurt. I think it's also important that with the European Championship, home European Championship, nine months away now, the Germans are desperate not to be embarrassed in the home tournament, quite understandably. And I, I think you need somebody who is going to mend some of the bridges. It's going to mend some of the fences that uh, have been broken over the past, particularly over the past year. Uh, so that has to be part of the consideration too. You can read more about Germany's fallout with Flick from Seb and our other German experts on The Athletic. Luis Rubiales has confirmed his resignation as president of the Spanish Football Federation. The 46-year-old was heavily criticized after he kissed Jenny Hermoso on the lips during the medal ceremony following Spain's win over England in Sydney at the Women's World Cup last month. On August 26th, world football governing body FIFA imposed a provisional 90-day suspension on him. The suspension meant he could no longer serve as federation president and fulfill his position with UEFA. Here's the Athletics' Tomas Hill Lopez Manchero to give us the latest. Tomas... Ruby Alice seemed pretty insistent that he wasn't going to resign. No voy a dimitir. No voy a dimitir. No voy a dimitir. What changed? I think it was just the the overwhelming pressure on him, really. Obviously, last week he lost to Kiali and Gilder, who was who was sacked from from his post. I think the tide of change was definitely going against him in recent weeks. We saw that. Still, it's a surprise that he resigned given that we saw that speech. You know, a kind of crude imitation of Wolf of Wall Street. I think my colleague Guillermo Rai uh, described it as he was obviously very insistent, but I think the the pressure just got too much, as as he suggested. But given how he also reacted afterwards, tweeting afterwards that he defend his honorability, his his innocence, and that he had confidence in the future, it still seems a little bit as if he's he's not backing down in terms of his legal battles, but clearly slightly different in terms of his post. What's the reaction, Ben? I think the the reaction is is definitely one of relief. This was obviously an incredibly sorry episode for Spanish football. I mean, it's been 21 days since the Women's World Cup final where he obviously kissed Jenny Hermoso on the lips, grabbed his crotch in the stands. You know, it, it had been a long time coming. I think it I think it's one of relief but also one of exasperation that it took this long to to get to this point. How does Spanish football recover from this? I think the Spanish FA is is already putting in place changes which they hope will will bring the the 81 female players who stood down from the national team until significant changes were made. I still think they're going to want to see more proof of it. Rubiales standing down, Vilda being out, whether that's enough is still unclear, but this is clearly a, a big step forward and the beginning of the of the process really. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. England were held to a 1-1 draw in their Euro 2024 qualifier against Ukraine on Saturday, thanks to a Kyle Walker equaliser in the 41st minute. 
It was an underwhelming result, but the three Lions stay six points clear atop Group C with the draw, as Italy and North Macedonia finished in a 1-1 stalemate on Saturday as well. Tim Spears has been covering England during the international window and was in Poland for the match. He joins us now to sort out the mixed emotions. Tim, England looked a bit lackluster there. What went wrong? Yeah, I think lackluster's a, a fair word, a fair summary of the evening. It's difficult to know how harsh to be, really. I mean, this was this was an away game, first and foremost, and I know it's played at a neutral venue, but with tens of thousands of vociferous and very passionate Ukrainians and also Polish people who were sort of supporting Ukraine, it was a pretty, it was almost in, yeah, it was in, intimidating atmosphere in parts, a difficult away game, and in the attacking third, other than an exceptional moment of brilliance from Harry Kane, who played that exquisite pass, for Carl Walker's goal. There was just sort of no, no inspiration really, it was just those individual moments and the fact that they ended ended the game with a midfield of Rice, Henderson and Gallagher when you know you've taken off Bellingham, Saka and Madison, three creative players. I just didn't see England scoring and it wasn't as if Ukraine were holding on at the end. So yes, a decent point and a good result, like I said, given the circumstances, but in terms of the performance, it was very underwhelming. Now, Jordan Henderson was a surprising choice and he didn't do himself any favours, did he? No, I don't think Henderson did himself any favours. I mean, obviously all eyes were on him given the interview with The Athletic this week uh, off the back of his move to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, you've got to ask questions of Southgate on that front. I mean, he's got tried and trusted guys there who, who yeah, he very much trusts and have, have done well in tournaments for him before. In my personal opinion, I thought, you know, when you compare him to Rice and Bellingham, he's very much the inferior one of that trio. But for a game where they were always likely to dominate possession, even though they're away from home, I'd have much rather have seen... Jude Bellingham play a little bit deeper in the sort of Henderson role and James Madison play in the central position where he's done so well for Spurs. In terms of Henderson, yeah, his, his position is definitely going to come under further scrutiny as he continues out in Saudi Arabia. What I would say is that his, his fitness levels were fine and uh, even in the last few minutes he was sort of harrying and, and running around, you know, no problem with his fitness levels, but it's his performances really that people are going to look at. And put it into context, is there anything to worry about or just an off night against a particularly highly motivated side? In terms of long-term concerns, yeah. again, I think we didn't learn a huge amount new from this game in terms of what England lack. I think part of that, in my opinion, is is an elite coach to coach these players into into moving up the next level and doing something that we haven't seen in Southgate's reign. The only thing that's been missing, really, is which is lifting a trophy, rather, and winning a tournament. You know, we're looking now towards the Euros and thinking England have got a great chance of winning. And they've got Jude Bellingham at Real Madrid now and Harry Kane at Bayern Munich and Declan Rice has gone up to Arsenal. You know, these are all, these are all becoming massive high-level top-end Champions League players and when you add in the ones that they've already got I think we're going back to sort of mid-2000s levels of England having a fantastically talented squad that really should be winning a trophy and that adds pressure to Southgate for sure is he capable of moving them up from the level that he's shown I mean he's got time to to do it he's got time to sort out a tactical plan for the Euros for which for which England will undoubtedly qualify but I, I guess this this game was another example of of England struggling to struggling to break opposition down and those key moments in both boxes because they were defensively suspect here as well. England will play their second of two international break matches tomorrow in a friendly against Scotland in Glasgow, which promises to be anything but friendly. Taking a look back from this past weekend, Friday was a busy day with action from all over the world. Euro qualifying kicked off in a big way as Spain beat Georgia 7-1, where they sit in second in Group A behind Scotland by 9 points. Scotland edged Cyprus 3-0 thanks to a goal from qualifying joint top goal scorer Scott McTominay. Croatia put 5 goals past Latvia on their way to 3 points and are level with Armenia on 7. 
three points behind Group D leaders Turkey. South American giants Brazil and Uruguay both had convincing wins on Friday in their World Cup qualifying campaigns, and history was made as Neymar surpassed Pelé as Brazil's top scorer with 79 goals. Saturday saw a menu full of African Cup of Nations qualifying. Ivory Coast squeaked past Lesotho 1-0, giving them 13 points and a joint Group H lead with Zambia. Senegal conceded a stoppage time equalizer against Rwanda, but still sit four points ahead of Mozambique at the top of Group L. The United States labored to a 3-0 win against Uzbekistan in an international friendly in St. Louis. And on Sunday, Ireland fell to the Netherlands 2-1. The Dutch are level with Greece on 9 points, 6 points behind Group B leaders France. Ireland, still with only 3 points, sit above Gibraltar in 4th. Onto your TV slate for the day, and it's headlined by more European Championship qualifying. Armenia and Croatia are level on 7 points in Group D, 3 points behind Turkey at the top of the group. They face off against each other at 5pm UK time, 12pm Eastern time on Viaplay Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2. The bottom two teams in that group are also in action as Latvia will host Wales, that's at 7.45pm UK time, 2.45pm Eastern time on BBC iPlayer or Viaplay Sports 1. Group J leaders Portugal welcome Luxembourg. That's also at 7.45pm UK, 2.45pm Eastern Time, and can be seen on Viaplay Sports 2 and Fox Sports 2 in the US. That's all for today's briefing. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Mike Zimmerman, and your executive producer was Ian McIntosh. If you're with us for the first time, tap the follow button on your podcast app and tell your friends about us too. Tim Spears will be with you tomorrow morning. Until then, have a great day. The Athletic.